Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host, as always, Daniel Levy. And uh, today, we're going to be doing some fun stuff. We're going to be recapping the first two months of the 2021 uh, UFC cards. Uh, we've already had a couple of them going on. And then also, the reason y'all are here, I know y'all want to hear about this special announcement I'm going to make, which I'm about to do shortly. And then we're going to do some fan Q&A, which I'm very excited about. So, guys, uh, thank you very much for joining me. Let's get right down to business. So, first up, got to give a plug to my sponsor, Manscaped. Uh, thank you very much, Manscaped. It's been a pleasure working with you guys. Hey, fellas, we are in the thick. So, y'all got to catch me messing up live on camera. Isn't that fucking awesome? So, now you get to hear me do it again. Hey, fellas, we are in the thick of winter and the storms are brewing. It look, It's looking like one to three inches are in the forecast when you trim that hibernation bush that's taking place in your pants. Luckily, our partners at Manscaped specialize in products to make sure you're walking around town with beautiful snowballs. And Manscaped is here to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience, offering precision engineered tools for your family jewels. And you guys already know the deal. You saw what Kevin Holland is doing with these short notice opportunities. You saw what Max Holloway did with that record breaking out output. These are uh, Manscaped sponsored athletes. I highly recommend you get on Manscaped too. The Lawnmower 3.0, which is what I'm holding right here. This trimmer is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Because of their ceramic blade and advanced skin safe technology, your snags on your snowballs will be reduced. The trimmer is also waterproof so you can trim in the shower or jacuzzi if you're a savage. Manscaped's performance package is the best buy of 2021. The performance package comes with the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, which is what I'm holding right here. Also has the Weed Whacker, which is the ear and nose hair trimmer, the performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag. Have you ever noticed how nasty nose and ear hair is? Well, in fact, 79% of partners polled admitted that long nose hair is a major turnoff. Might as well use the best tools to do the job. This bundle also comes with the Crop Reserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Ball Toner. The Crop Reserver is anti-shaving ball deodorant that will make your ball smell nice and make you feel like your testes are walking in a winter wonderland. The Crop Reviver is a spray-on toner for your balls. It's made with soothing aloe and witch hazel extracts that will make your balls look up to you and say, thank you very much. Don't get cold feet this winter. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BATTLE20 at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code BATTLE20 at Manscaped.com. They also have a ton of other amazing men's hygiene products on their website from disposable masks for your pubes to foot deodorant. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BATTLE20 at Manscaped.com. One more time, use code BATTLE20, all caps, BATTLE20 for 20% off and free shipping. All right, let's get right down to business. You see my boy, Kobe Cap. He said he's got ear hair. He says he's buying this thing. He's hairy. Just make sure if you do, you use that promo code BATTLE20. So, guys, we're going to talk about Cyril Gan. We're going to talk about McGregor. We're going to talk about Nganu, everything. We're going to get down to all that here in a second. But first up, I got to make a special announcement. So, you guys know I've been working with a lot of fighters for a very long time. And it only made sense that the next step I take was to start representing fighters. So without further ado, I'd like to bring in the first ever fighter that I'm representing. I'm talking about the undefeated Jamar, the rock star Whitehead is in the building right now. Jamar, what's going on? What's up, bro? How you doing, man? Good to, good to be on stage, man. Man, it, it's good to be it's good to be on here with you, obviously. So for those that don't know, obviously, 
we'll get to all the UFC stuff here in a sec, but I need to make this announcement. Um, so Jamar is the first ever athlete that I represent. Um, and he's actually making his professional debut in May. Uh, got him a good opponent. We'll talk about that in a second. Jamar and I have been working together since he was 13 years old. Um, I'm 31. He's 21. Jamar told me when he was 13 years old, he said, Daniel, I am going to be the UFC bantamweight champion. And um, he's held up his end of the bargain so far. You know, a nice little 7-1-1 amateur record, which a lot of us thought was 9-0. But, you know, a couple fights that, uh, you know, a little bit of home cooking. And even though it was in our hometown, but, you know, there's a lot of influence around here when, you know, people don't fuck with the rock star swag. And, you know, when you're shining on these hoes, sometimes they get mad. But bottom line, he had a very successful amateur uh, career. Now it's time to go pro. And Jamar, I'm happy that we're doing this together. Um, how excited are you to to not only make your professional debut, but be my first ever uh, represented athlete? Well, man, you know, me being a professional athlete in general is... Hey, real quick, real quick, Jamar, talk, talk a little bit closer into your, uh, into your mic. We can't hear you that well. Can you hear me now? Yes, sir. Just talk a little louder. So, yeah, me being a, uh, a professional athlete in general is something I've dreamed about. I'm not going to lie. Like most people, they'll be like, ever since I was a kid. Yeah, no, I've dreamed about it since I was about 13, maybe 12 years old. You know, when I used to watch, it was actually Tough Brazil that really sold me on my dream. Of course, I've always been a fan of MMA. You know, I've always kept up with it. I've watched every single Ultimate Fighter. I even bought... I even bought a Forrest Griffin's book when it first came out. So I've always been a fan, you know, but like, did I think I would make such an impact that I have? No. At the same time, knowing the impact that I have made, am I just going to let it go to waste? Absolutely not. Like, I'm pretty much where I looked at most uh, beginner UFC fighters. You know, even where I looked at... Uh, Nate Diaz at one point, you know what I mean? I looked at him, and now he's, like, extremely relevant, you know what I mean? Not He's not just your Joe Schmo. Like, it, it goes in part because he fought Nate Diaz, but, of course, like, me, I think, I mean, I'm sorry, Nate Diaz. I, he fought uh, Conor McGregor, but me, I'm trying to be bigger than both of those guys, you know what I mean? So, I... I it's i'm sorry i'm driving right now so it's <laughs> you know you know this guy's doing it again but uh listen all uh you know you don't gotta tell them all, all that shit because i mean it's cool and all all that really matters is the performances i mean this guy's last fight he went out there 25 second body kick uh knockout uh debut 10 second head kick knockout so i mean the performances speak for themselves but you gotta you gotta give some love to your bro uh tell them how excited you are to we can't tell them the name of the management company yet. That's where we'll do that very soon. However, we can tell them that you are now represented. Um, how excited are you? What kind of shit have we accomplished together? And what do you expect us to accomplish in the coming years? Man, I mean, you know, we're making our professional debut. Well, for those that don't know, I'll let you know right now. Now that the contracts have been signed, May 8th, District in Atlanta. I am making my professional debut, and I'm knocking out not only a 13-fight vet, but a Bellator veteran. He's uh, he's fought many UFC veterans, you know what I mean? So, it's not like I'm, t I'm taking a fight against a bum like most of these guys. I'm out here trying to make a statement. 
And when I fight this guy who's also a, uh, a very decorated college wrestler, when I fight him and I knock him out in the first round or second round, people are going to be like, whoa. When they see my, my uh, takedown defense, they're going to be like, whoa. To me and to everybody that trains with me, it's not to be expected. I train with the best guys in the world, honestly. I'm not trying to say it. I know every guy says that, but the guys I train with are really the best guys in the world. I can guarantee if you bring it down to the wrestling aspect, my wrestling coaches and my wrestling partners will be anybody that you guys put them against. My striking partners and my striking coaches will be anybody that you put them against. I mean, I have Coach Brown. Most people don't even know that name. Um, Duke Rufus knows that name. Duke Rufus knows that name. I can guarantee Rick Rufus knows that name for those kickboxing fans out there. You know what I mean? Buster Douglas knows that name. Buster Douglas, you know, Mike Tyson even knows that name. But, but bro, but but listen, all, all, all pleasantry aside, um, how important is it to you to, I mean, look, because we've been together since you were 13, just working together. Now you're 21, sign on the dotted line. It's no more just talk. Now it's official. So, uh. This is uh this is gonna be uh, a very fun ride, my friend, because we're both starting at it together. Um, from, you know, it, it's funny because on the surface it looks like we're starting at day one together. Like today is day one, but day one was like eight years ago. You know what I mean? So, it's uh I'm excited for this ride, man. So the cool thing about that is Daniel is uh <laughs> the best part is I just got to my arrival so I can actually focus. Um, the cool thing about that is Daniel is uh. We, like you said, we've been together since day one, Daniel. Like, I was 13 years old coming into the gym throwing no punches. You know for a fact, no punches. And I was fucking everybody up in the gym. And that's not a brag because the day that I met somebody that punched me in the face is the day that I actually realized I can't just throw kicks the entire time. But I remember telling you, like you said, I'm going to be the UFC champion one day. You know what I mean? Yes, sir. And uh, I still believe that to this day. I've, I've been on that journey. You know I've been on that journey. We've been on that journey together. And uh, since I told you that day, I don't want to say it was that day, but very close. Um, we've been on that journey together, you know? I, I told you I wanted to be in the UFC, and you were like, yeah, I want to be that guy that's like Mike Goldberg. Well, guess what? Mike Goldberg is gone. Yeah, he's been substituted, but guess what? There's still a hole to fill. And uh, these guys, they try to fill that hole. John Anik and all these guys. Like, dot, dot, yeah, yeah. Cut, you know, cut, no, cut. No, you know, no, no knock at all. I'm not trying to say that at all. John Anik is a very good professional. Mike Goldberg, he's not. He has, Questions. Let's just say that. Hey, 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 you're cutting out. Ask the questions. John Anik already knows what he's talking about. You know what I'm saying? Can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, we're not talking about commentary. We're talking about we're talking about manager and fighter. You're right. We're getting a little off off subject. Um. So, when it comes to me and you, like I said, let's get back to the what I said at the basis. We've been together since I was 13, bro. You know what I'm saying? 13. I'm 21 years old. I'm not very old, obviously. 
but that's eight years. You've seen me grow up the whole and you've seen me become a world champion. You've seen me make my MMA debut. You've seen me do this. You've seen me do that. All right. So fun fact is you were the one that commentated my 10 second head kick knockout. You were the one that got me my, uh, my fight in front of Dana White. A lot of people don't even realize that I fought in front of Dana White. Dana White knows who I am. At the end of the fight, he was like, yo, kid, keep fighting, and you'll be in the UFC. He didn't say that to everybody. I can guarantee it. You know what I'm saying? But I'm not saying you're the reason that he said that to me either. But you're the reason I got that fight, 110%. You know what I'm saying? No one else got that fight. They offered it to many other people in Georgia. But you know who got that fight? Me because of you. So that that's what I'm talking about, bro. We have a partnership that that a lot of people don't realize. We we it, it's it's different than management. We have a brotherhood, you know what I'm saying? So I'm really I'm I'm so happy to be your first ever fighter out of your management company. Let's save the name, you know what I'm saying? But even more happy to like represent so well. You, you, the thing is, like, people don't realize is, uh, it's not, you haven't just started, bro. You're the reason I got my UFC fight. I mean, not a UFC fight. You're the reason I got my fight in front of Dana White. You're the reason I fought for many titles, you know? You're, you're, you're the reason for much. So, this is the beginning for many people in the public, but, in the retrospect for me and you, bro, this is this is just the ongoing journey, you know? It really is. Listen, it's really kind of you to say I'm the reason, but it, it takes two to tango. I mean, yeah, I can, you know, book you a fight and have all the eyes watching you, but it's still up to you to go out there and perform. And that's exactly what you've done time in, time out. So it's definitely a partnership. And I agree. I mean, it's more than just manager, client. I mean, Jamar and I, uh, we're brothers, man. I mean, we'll we fight each other all the time uh, verbally you know uh, he'd i want to say he'd whip my ass but i think this old man still got something for jamar but nah but uh i mean cry laugh fight everything like brothers man i mean if you hear the way me and him talk to each other off air you'll be like holy shit like people don't even understand our sense of humor so it's good to work with someone that i'm so close with and uh start to develop uh, this brand that way. And I'm very excited for what the future holds. And I, I'm also excited to announce that you will be fighting May 8th against David Morgan. That's your, your professional debut. This guy is a 13 fight vet, a former D2 wrestler. He's been in there. He's fought in Bellator. He's been in there with UFC vets. So it sounds like, damn, like, why are you putting him in there with a 13 fight vet? Like, like, shouldn't you give him like some Owen five guy and guys, um, we, we looked up this opponent. We think we like this matchup stylistically a lot. And we think it's a very favorable matchup. And we think that uh, Jamar is going to come out here and get a first round finish. So that's uh, why we got that matchup. So Jamar, uh, before I let you go, anything else uh, you want to tell the fans regarding your pro debut uh, signing with me? Uh, anything else? You're on mute, by the way. You just got to hit that, that mute button because you're muted. You know, you know, this guy ain't the brightest. <laughs> Bro, There you go. There you go. 
all I heard was, uh, you ain't, you know, this guy ain't the brightest. I swear to God, everything else. Uh, no, I, I said, do you want to say anything about your pro debut or about signing with me before I let you go? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so I assume you told me, I mean, you told them, uh, my pro debut is against Dave Morgan. Yeah. He's a Bellator veteran. He's fought UFC veterans. He's, he's a 13 fight perfect, 13 professional fight vet. He's, uh, He's got over ten years older than us. He's four. Is it fourteen years, Daniel? Yeah, there's like a uh, a thirteen year age gap in this fight. Is We're it thirteen really? years younger? Is it yeah. really? Let me. Yeah. You know, I want to make a statement, Daniel. You want to know something? What? You know I don't give a fuck. You know I'm gonna knock <laughs> his ass out. Anyway, uh, so with with Dave Morgan, the thing is. He, <sighs> For the people that know who I am from my MMA debut, for the people that know who I am from my world championship win, um, I can reference Andrew Gagrich. Andrew Gagrich, for the people that know that don't know, was a uh, five foot three, undefeated wrestler in Georgia. Very big name if you talk about wrestling. Fifty four and zero as a wrestler. Fifty four and zero in wrestling. Fifty four and one in combat sports. The reason being is I knocked him out in 10 seconds. Um, so Dave Morgan is a very decorated wrestler. Many people that I talk to in the sport of wrestling know who Dave Morgan is. The thing is, as all you guys know, this is not wrestling. You know, this isn't boxing. This isn't even kickboxing. This is MMA. So it means if he goes for that takedown, also, one more thing before I continue. This is professional. If he goes for that takedown, guess what's coming? That flying knee knockout. Not flying knee strike. Flying knee knockout. That head kick knockout. Not strike. Knockout. This guy has nothing to offer me. He knows for a fact I'm way better than him in striking. He knows for a fact if he goes to the ground, I have submissions to offer and in the in the wrestling even he doesn't have much to offer he's not that good the thing is his wrestling is 1990s my wrestling is current which means i know how to mix in rest i i know how to mix in jujitsu i know how to mix in even judo this guy he doesn't know how to do those things he knows wrestling 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 and even then i'm better than him so, he has nothing to offer me. A Bellator vet. He's fought UFC vets. And he has nothing to offer me on my very first professional fight. With, once again, I want to mention, he has 13 professional fights. This is my first professional fight, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to knock his ass out. I'm going to bury him in the canvas. And then you guys will know that this is indeed the rock star show. So... One more time. May 8th. Dave Morgan. He's going to sleep. You guys know that. I know that. Daniel, you even know that. Dave Morgan knows that. So, make sure you guys tune in. Because it's going to be a fucking show. If you guys want to see a spectacular knockout. If you guys want to see a guy that's a hopeful for the UFC on his very first UF, uh, professional fight. Tune in May 8th.
Flow Combat, NFC, live at the district. Let's go. <laughs> so Tehran says, better be able to back up all that talk. And, you know, this is what I love because the people that don't know you don't know you've been talking like this for like 10 years. So exactly. to them, this, this is their first time seeing you. So it's like, wait a second. Why, 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 is, why is this guy talking like that? They, they don't know about you being 13 years old, winning the Taekwondo Junior Olympics. They don't know about you being 17 years old, making your MMA debut, knocking that guy out in 10 seconds with a head kick. They don't know about uh, your jujitsu background. They don't know about your wrestling state championship. So you know, everybody questioning you. This is great because this now people want to see you fight. Now people want to know, hey, is this kid the real deal? Is he just going to, you know, talk and get knocked out? Or is he going to come out here, put on a show, back up the talk and go on to become a big star? So that that's what I'm excited about, Jamar, because now people are interested. Now people want to say, hey, is this guy going to back it up or not? And um, the funny thing about it is me and you have been here for the last 10 years. So I've seen all the shit talk you've been doing for years. I've seen the antics at the weigh-ins. But I've also seen the respect you show your opponents after the fights, after you defeat them. I've also seen the things you've done inside your community. I've also seen, uh, you know, you go to other states to give back. So people are going to get to know the rock star um, in the next coming years. His name is Jamar, the rock star Whitehead. So I'm very excited for it. Make sure you follow him at the rock star MMA on Instagram, on Twitter, as well as, as the, uh, the rock star MMA. And uh, man, I'm very excited uh, to take this professional journey together, brother. Absolutely, man. I mean, if you like, I mean, it's already been established. We've been together since the, since day one. I remember the same exact day, Daniel. Like, I remember I've just finished sparring. You were like, hey, man, you look so good today. Blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to be in the UFC one day. And you were like, I believe it. And then I was like, no, not just am I going to be in the UFC. I'm going to be a UFC champion one day. And you were like, you took a five second pause, which was very common to me. You know, a lot of people don't believe in at that time. A lot of people didn't believe in me. And, uh, you took a five second pause and you were like, I believe in it. And, uh, you stuck by that since that day. And look at where, look at where we're at that. Like right now we've won knockout of the year in Georgia. We've won fight of the year in Georgia. We've won fighter of the year in Georgia. We've won breakout fighter of the year in Georgia. We've had a 10-second knockout. We've had a 25-second body kick knockout. Not a TKO, a knockout. We've contributed to the community. We've done so much, and we're not even at the pro level yet, technically. We haven't made our pro debut yet. So a lot of people don't know about me. A lot of people don't know about your management company. But I can guarantee, once people look me up, once people look you up, once people realize... I apologize. Once people realize together, they're going to realize we have something special. You know what I mean? So let's just keep up the good work, man. I agree. So Humble Pie says it doesn't look like he's steating, uh, sticking needles in his butt cheeks. So good luck to him. Skills pay the bills. And that's exactly what I'm talking about. You will never see Jamar Whitehead uh, fail a drug test for PEDs. I mean, if he fails a drug test, it's for weed. But luckily, they got rid of that fucking stupid rule anyway. So he's not going to be failing any drug test. Uh, this is an all-natural, clean athlete. And 
exactly like you said, humble pie skills pay the bills. Cause what I love about this kid so much, I mean, look, obviously we're brothers and you know, I love him as a person, but as a fighter, it's the fight IQ because on the feet, you know, he's got the junior uh, Olympics Taekwondo championship background. So he's got all kinds of kicks in his arsenal, but then he's also a state champion wrestler. So, you know, if by some stretch of the imagination, someone can at least match him on the feet, he can always change levels, you know, with a nice little blast double, take him to a place we like to call Sky City and uh, pick him up and slam him Matt Hughes style. But it doesn't end there because he's a, a daily jujitsu practitioner under Professor Guy Curry, who is a black belt under a red belt, which there's only eight red belts on planet Earth. So basically, we're as well-rounded as we can get. This is a next-generation fighter. There is not a, a single weakness in his game. He can talk the talk. He can back it up. He's got the look. He's got everything that you're looking for in an up-and-coming fighter. Now it's just really up to Jamar to go out there May 8th, finish Dave Morgan in the first round, and on to the next one. I mean, that's a guarantee, Daniel. I don't mean to sound cocky, but it's not cocky. It's just realistic. I'm gonna, if we're going to sprawl on his takedowns. We're going to stand up to the feet. We're going to knock him out on the feet, and then that's going to be it. It's really that simple. I don't mean to sound cocky. I really don't. Sound, sound, sound as cocky as you want. As long as you back it up, people are going to tune in. Listen, it's not cocky, Daniel. That's the thing. It's, real, it's realism. I'm going to knock his ass out. Everybody that has ever seen any fight from Daniel, uh, I'm sorry, excuse me, not Daniel Morgan. I forget his name because he's so irre irre irrelevant. Dave Morgan, I'm going to, if anybody's seen any video from him and they've seen any video from me, it's very evident that I'm going to beat his ass. That's the bottom line. Every single area that you mentioned, striking, grappling, aggression, and octagon control. You know, I like that. I like it. You know what I'm saying <laughs> I smash him. I smash him every single area. You know what I'm saying? He has nothing to offer me. And I want Dave Morgan. I wish Dave Morgan would join this fucking chat right now so that he can hear what I'm saying. His bitch ass, because I'm going to knock his ass out. Maybe if it goes to the. I don't know if you heard what I said. You said, I'm going to knock him out, but if it goes to the ground, what? I'm going to submit his ass. I'm going to smash him, bro. There's no area that he beats me. And I mean by, I mean that by striking, grappling, aggression, confidence, whatever you want to mention, bro. He doesn't ticket sales. <laughs> ticket sales, marketability, good looks, whatever you want to say. He doesn't match me. So, Dave Morgan, I pray for you, buddy, because... You're going to need it. Trust Look, me. and obviously we respect Dave Morgan for accepting this fight. And, you know, obviously don't wish any injuries on anybody. Want him to show up healthy. Want him to leave healthy. But he's going to leave healthy with, uh, with a stoppage loss on his record. And, you know, we'll shake his hand and send him on his way. Very excited about this opportunity for you. Very excited about the future. Lots of big things in the works. I'm uh, going to announce the name of the management company here in the coming weeks. Uh you know, but at least Jamar and I already put pen to paper. It's official between us. His fight is official. So I'm excited, man. And it sounds like the fans uh, are excited, too, because whether they want to see you win or whether they want to see you lose, they will be tuned in now. And they're invested in what you do next, man, because, you know, you're not some the worst place you can be as a fighter is in no man's land. And no man's land is when no one gives a flying fuck 
if you win or if you lose. No one even, oh, he's fighting. Who the fuck is that? Oh, he's fighting. I don't give a shit. Oh, he's fighting. That's a bathroom break fight. So that's the kind of shit you don't want. And that's uh, not what Jamar Whitehead brings to the table. So, guys, I'm very excited uh, to announce uh, my first ever represented athlete, Jamar the Rockstar Whitehead. Make sure you all follow him. So he dipped out. So this gives me a good segue to get to our next topic, which after such an exciting announcement, now we got to talk about that Cyril Gaon fight, right? Or, or should I just do a Q&A and answer what, you know, whatever y'all want to ask me, go ahead and ask me anything. Um, and uh, let's do it. So Cyril Gaon defeated Jerzinho. The comments I'm going to make on that is this. Cyril Gaon actually showed the goods. He does belong in the, in the top five. He beat the number four guy on planet Earth. Therefore, he is a top five guy. He definitely played it safe, but there's, you know, no reason to take unnecessary risks when you're so much better than the guy. And it was really up to Jerzinho to take a risk and make the fight exciting. He didn't want to commit. So basically, he just, uh, you know, accepted the loss and props to Cyril for coasting. I think other guys in the top five are going to give Cyril Gaon much tougher fights because they're actually going to try to fight him. I don't think that Francis Ngannou is just going to sit back and take it like Jerzinho did. I don't think Stipe Miocic would just sit back and take it like uh, Jerzinho did. So now Cyril Gaon is going to get tested. It's a blessing and a curse to move into the top five this quick into your career. And the reason why is because, look, Cyril Gaon got signed to the UFC at 3-0 and as a pro. And his regional experience was actually in TKO, which is a scene that we've historically made fun of a lot. One of the weaker regional scenes, but he went undefeated. He makes it to the UFC and, you know, he beats his first three opponents. Then he beats his first former champion, Junior Dos Santos, in the second round. Automatically, you beat JDS, you're fighting top 10 competition. They put him in there with the number four guy on planet Earth, Jerzino Rosenstrike. And, man, he... uh he handled it accordingly. He didn't take any unnecessary risks. He showed he can go five rounds, and he showed he's ready for that next step up in competition, which is going to be in the top in the top three, the top four. Now, the issue is there is no more time for seasoning and development aside from the practice room because these next opponents, they're not going to let him get his feet wet. These next coming opponents are going to actually go after Cyril Gaon. So now we're going to get to find out what Cyril Gaon is really made of. And Gabe actually presented a great matchup. He said Volkov versus Gaon. I like it. You see what I'm saying, uh, Gabe? This is exactly what I'm talking about. Guys like Volkov aren't going to show you respect anymore. Guys like Stipe, guys like Francis, even Daniel Cormier. I know he's retired, but even guys like Daniel Cormier, they're not going to show you any respect. They're going to get right in your face. So we're going to find out exactly who Cyril Gaon is in these upcoming fights. And I cannot wait for that because I think he is the real deal. However, now adversity is going to be presented to him. So let's see how he reacts. So as far as Jerzinho, definitely a bit of a setback. I mean, you know, just because it's like, I feel like the fans in the UFC would, you know, I don't want to use the word respect because we respect anyone that steps in there, but they would, you know, if you got knocked out, but you went out there and fought super exciting, the fans would hold you in higher regard. That's how it goes. Cause it's really not about who wins or who loses. It's about how you fight and how you perform. Like, Unless you had money on Jimmy Rivera, no one thinks less of Jimmy Rivera after that great fight with Pedro Munoz because they went out there, put their hearts on the line, and it was a hell of a fight. So to me, fights like that, it doesn't matter who wins or loses unless you got a betting ticket on the line. But as from a fan perspective and you know a push-the-fighter perspective, as long as you're exciting, that's all that matters. And Jairzinho was the opposite of exciting, so that means his next fight is going to be, you know, they're going to try to push Aspinall. They're going to try to get um, the winner of Espino and um, Romana. They're going to put maybe even my boy Spivak. So 
one of these up and coming prospects is going to get the Jerzinho uh, fight next. And for Cyril Gane, uh, so McCall says Jarzino versus Sakai. I like it, but Sakai is fighting. Um, he's fighting Shamil Abdurakimov, if I remember correctly. So I don't think they can make that fight at the moment. But I, I do like that um, idea. All right. Anyways, so I think you guys understand the point. Cyril Gane's in the top five now, and uh, there's no more easy fights. So Magomed and Khalif, man, he he impressed me last night because. Nikita Krylov is not some walkover, and Nikita Krylov came out hard that first round. Nikita Krylov mixed in takedowns, took him down, and it almost looked like, man, maybe we're going to see uh, you know, some of those things that we saw come up in the Paul Craig fight. Maybe they were about to come out in the Krylov fight. You know, Krylov's got 15 wins via submission, 10 wins via knockout. He's a proven finisher. Magomed Ankaliev kind of waited him out, extended him, and then he took over in that second and third round and really got to... Krilov. So I'm very impressed with Magomed and Khalif. But now, you know, again, when when you beat someone in the top 10, that means there's no more easy fights. Now he's taking that next step up the ladder. So he just beat the number eight guy on planet Earth. That's Nikita Krilov. So when you look at the guys ahead of Mag Magomed and Khalif, because I assume he's taking that number eight ranking, number seven is Volkan Uzdemir. Number six, Anthony Lionheart Smith, who's fighting uh, Jimmy the Brute Crew, by the way. You got Yuri Prohaska in there. Alexander Rakic, Dominic Reyes, Tiago Santos, Glover Teixeira, and of course, the champion, Jan Blachowicz, but then you also got the challenger, Israel Adesanya. So, basically what I'm trying to get at, guys, is that Magomed and Khalif's next fight is going to be a serious step up in competition and is not going to be a walk in the park. It's not going to be a picnic. And we're going to really find out, you know, people calling him a future top five guy. Next fight, we're going to know right off the bat if uh, that's actually the case. So I'm very excited. And for Nikita, listen, man, Nikita always comes to fight, win, lose, or draw. So his next fight is probably testing an up-and-coming prospect. You know what I mean? Um, so for Nikita, you know, maybe the winner of the Jamal Hill versus Paul Craig fight, which you guys know exactly who I'm picking in that fight. I mean, you know I got uh, Jamal Hill in that fight. Not just because I'm wearing a Jamal Hill shirt, but because I do think Jamal Hill is a future top five guy. And while I respect Paul Craig, I simply do not think he has the skills to, to, to break into the top five. I think top 10 maybe one day, but that's kind of a stretch too, guys. Um, I think Paul Craig is kind of peaked out. Um, and maybe he proves me wrong. Maybe he submits Jamal Hill. I highly doubt it. I think Jamal Hill is... I think Jamal Hill is the is the un, is the um, dark horse that people aren't talking about that people need to talk about. The way people regard Ankaliev is the way I regard Jamal Hill. I think he is that future that future top five guy, maybe even a world champion. We're gonna have to find out. So I can't wait to see what Ankaliev and Krilov do next. So my Myra Bueno Silva, in my eyes, defeated Montana De La Rosa via unanimous decision. Um, it would have been. 29-27, 29-28, and 29-28 would have been unanimous across the board. But unfortunately, Myra was docked a point in the first round. So she lost, a, or she didn't lose, but it was considered a majority draw, which is really unfortunate because, listen, I know Montana has some success with takedowns, but like, let's be realistic about what was happening. Uh, Myra Bueno Silva hit Montana so damn hard that Montana was literally hanging on for dear life. And even when she got the full mount, it's not, it's not like Montana was landing any damage whatsoever. So I actually didn't think that Montana, you know, her moments of being on top overrode any of the damage Myra did on the feet. I felt like all the big moments of the fight 
or caused by my era. I just wish he'd move to the United States and patch up that get-up game and that wrestling because I'm telling you guys right now, if my era can just fix her wrestling defense this much, she is going to be a problem because like we often talk about, um, not a lot of women hit that damn hard. So when the power comes into play, it's a huge, huge factor in this weight class. I mean, you look at Jessica Andrade against Caitlin Chukagan, and, and we all agree, yeah, Caitlin Chukagan, she throws her punches straight. She's probably the more technical fighter. You know, she uh, probably has the the better skill set. But in that in that weight class, power can override uh, skills, and that's just a fact. Power can override technique. And when Jessica Andrade knocked out Caitlin Chukagan in the first round, that was a perfect example of that. Now, technique beat uh macy barber i know alexa grasso beat macy barber that was an example of technique being power but some of us think that if that was a five-round fight that maybe macy would have taken over the last two i know she started to come on hard in that third round so but i'm just saying long term in these weight classes i favor power over technique whereas in the men's weight classes i got technique over power it's just kind of an interesting thing but i think mayura bueno silva is going to go on to have a nice career in the top 10. I think she's going to hurt a lot of the fighters she fights. Um, she's just got some raw power. She's got some nice jujitsu, just has to patch up that wrestling. That would be really nice if she did that. And for Montana, who, who's our next prospect that needs to be tested? Because that's the role I see Montana is. Montana didn't show me anything that makes me want to see her take a step up in competition. In fact, it just makes me, whoever my next prospect is that hasn't entered that level of competition yet, that's who I want to see Montana fight. So, you know, she got to fight Vivi Araujo. Vivi passed that test with flying colors. In my opinion, Mayura Bueno Silva won that fight. I mean, she did win that fight. She just got docked a point, which is unfortunate. And for people saying, well, you know, Montana would have got on top. Roo, roo, roo. Guys, Mayura won that fight. Mayura landed the much harder shot. I mean, Montana was hanging on for dear life. And props to her because she took the fight where she needed to take it to to avoid a loss which is what she did. So much respect. But I think walking away from that fight, we all think that Mayra Bueno Silva has got a much brighter future. And I can't wait to see what she does next. Um, you guys remember on Contender Series, she won via Ninja Choke. She submits Jillian Robertson in her debut. She had an amazing fight with Marina Moroz on the first ever um, fight since the pandemic happened, the same night that Charles Oliveira fought Kevin Lee. And they actually won fight of the night that night. And I bet on Marina Moroz in that fight because I thought, hey, there's no audience there. So she can make these tennis sounds and the judges are going to love it. And there's not going to be any Brazilian influence from the crowd. And when I tell you I had to sweat every second of that fight, I mean it because my era Bueno Silva does hit that hard. So I still got high hopes for her. Just patch up this wrestling, this get-up game, and you can go far, uh, young lady. Pedro Munoz and Jimmy Rivera. So goddamn. Once again, if you put these guys on a fight, I mean, if it were up to me, I'd match these guys up every single weekend. But thank God I'm not the matchmaker. I'm just the guy that talks about the fights. Now, now first-time manager, very excited about that. But if it were up to me, Pedro Munoz and Jimmy Rivera would fight on every single card. I mean, the first time they fought in 2016, I thought was the fight of the night. Last night, I thought was the fight of the night. So Pedro and Jimmy is just always a recipe for fireworks. And I think the story last night, I think it's pretty obvious. It was Pedro Munoz chopping down Jimmy Rivera with those calf kicks. And you guys remember on Half the Battle a couple of days ago, how I mentioned that, you know, Cody Garbrandt gets so much shit because he went full kamikaze on Pedro Munoz. I think you guys started to see exactly what I was talking about when I said that, hey, I don't really blame Cody. I mean, he got chopped down with the calf kicks to a point where 
he basically had no choice but to say fuck it. I mean, Jimmy Rivera didn't really say fuck it until the last 30 seconds. When he finally did, he started having some success, but he was so immobilized and debilitated by the calf kicks that he couldn't really do shit. And the exact same thing happened to Cody Garbrandt. And I know some people are mentioning that um, that clash of heads, which obviously was unintentional and it happened. It was what it was. But guys, Pedro Munoz was chopping the calf of Cody Garbrandt way before the inadvertent head clash. So you cannot blame it on that head clash. People say the reason that Cody Garbrandt lost his cool and went full kamikaze was because of a head clash. Guys, that's not the reason why. The reason why is because you could barely take a step after getting chopped down with those brutal calf kicks that now you know Pedro Munoz does for real. You saw what he did to Jimmy Rivera. Jimmy Rivera couldn't walk, and Jimmy Rivera is no slouch at all. And my boy SC for all says Montana is ready to fight in the NFC with her husband. You know what I'm saying? Hey, man, maybe you need to be the, the new matchmaker. Now, shout out to my boy Jesse Wable. But, yeah, that, that's what I'm saying, you know. Our up-and-coming prospect, Charlsey Maynard, she's 6-0. We'd love to test her out against Montana De La Rosa. And then we got a bunch of prospects. You know, uh, Mark probably got to go up to Bantamweight to find the NFC, but we got a bunch of Bantamweight prospects. We'd love to test out against Mark De La Rosa. Or if Mark, Mark, if you don't want to cut weight, some of our featherweights would love to fight you too. So, you know, there's definitely some options. So I, I like where your head's at. Um, so I definitely agree with Pedro and Jimmy getting the fight of the night. I mean, I don't think there's an argument for anyone else getting fight of the night. So Alex Caceres uh, defeated Kevin Kroom. So this is the one we got the most shit on, uh, on our comment section um, for our breakdown video. People were like, people gave Shaq a lot of shit because he said, Kevin Kroom is kind of like Justin James where he might come out hard in that first round, but it goes past that first round. He ain't winning the fight. And that's exactly what happened. You know, people were giving him shit for that comparison. I agree with that comparison. They might fight a little bit different, but the story is the same. You get Kevin Kroom out the first round. He ain't winning the fight. And most likely he probably doesn't even belong in the UFC. And that's no disrespect. I know he's paid his dues on the regional scene, but let's just be realistic. How many UFC fights do you see Kevin Kroom winning? I'll, I'll wait for that answer. You understand what I'm saying? Probably not that many. In fact, uh, you know, when Jamar gets a couple wins, we'd love to do Jamar versus Kevin Kroom. I'm, I'm confident Jamar would beat him today. But obviously, you know, O and O versus however many fights this guy has, we got to work our way up, and we will. Um, but, you know, fighters like that, um, the only reason he's in the UFC was because Roosevelt Roberts' opponent pulled out on short notice. They needed someone to step in. So he stepped in, which I applaud, and he made the most of it. Got a 50K bonus. Unfortunately, it was taken away from him because he was smoking a little reefer, which is total bullshit. Um, hopefully, it's like almost like selective with that shit. Like some places say, like, hey, we don't test for weed anymore. Other places are like, uh, hey, we still suspend guys for weed. It's very inconsistent, and I wish there was a little more consistency to it. I know I just used that word twice, but uh, they need to get their shit together is what I'm trying to say. Now, this one I'm very excited about, Tiago Moises and Alexander Hernandez. Man, we called this one, right? So basically, guys, why, why do y'all hype up Alexander Hernandez so much? Like, I got to hear, what did Alexander Hernandez do to make everyone talk like he's some fucking future world champion? Guys, have we not established that the Benil Dariush fight was one of the biggest flukes in the history of the sport? I mean, what's happened every single time Alexander Hernandez has gone past the first round? So his UFC debut, you know... Listen, if you if you knock out Benny, that's like a huge deal. But it's like one of those fights where it's like they fight 10 times. I really do have Benny at least eight to nine of those times. So props to him for catching him on the one day where he was going to win. Probably the only time he'll ever win in that matchup. But anyways, you can't take much from a 40 second knockout. At least I can. I got to see how guys do, you know, in real fights when they're facing adversity. So the Olivier Aubin Mercier fight. 
I've talked about this many times at length. I mean, Olivier Aubin Mercier gets on top of Alex Hernandez. All he has to do is stay on top to win that round. And you know what Olivier Aubin Mercier does, guys? He decides to drop back for a leg lock, gives up position. And uh, as they say, the rest is history. Olivier Aubin Mercier is no longer with the company. But I was not impressed with that performance at all. Next fight against Donald Cerrone. This kid pulls out a pocket thesaurus, is using all kinds of big words that we've never even heard before, completely disrespects the man with the most wins in UFC history, the man with the most finishes in UFC history, the man with the most bonuses in UFC history, the man with the most head kicks in UFC history. Like, if you get a fight with Donald Cerrone, like, shake the guy's hand, and when it's time to fight, that, that's when you do your shit talk, but not you don't disrespect the legend of the sport. Not only did he disrespect the legend of the sport, he, he got brutalized in that fight. Very next fight against Trinaldo. Listen, we all scored at 30-27 Trinaldo, but as you know, and when you talk about Texas judging, go watch this fight between Tim Bosch and C.B. Dalloway. That's where we famously came up with the 30-26 Bosch. C.B. Dalloway whoops on Tim Bosch for three straight rounds to a point where C.B. Dalloway is acting like a Diaz brother. He's putting his hands up in the air. He's taunting him. He's talking all kinds of shit. Then it goes to the judges' scorecards. We're assuming, hey, this is an easy decision win for uh, C.B. Dalloway. And then they're like, 30-26 Bosch. So ever since that point, it was... Uh, you can never trust those Texas judges. That, that's what I got to say about that. So I thought we all thought Trinaldo won that fight. Next fight against Drew Dober. I mean, Drew Dober blew him out the water. Drew Dober had no problems with him whatsoever. And then the next fight against Chris Gritzmacher. So here's where it gets funny, guys, because people were like, oh, Alexander 2.0. He trains at Factory X now. And I'm thinking to myself, like, guys, he could have trained in my garage and he would have knocked out Chris Gritzmacher in the first round. He could have trained in your garage and he would have knocked out Chris Gritzmacher in under two minutes. He didn't even have to train and he would have knocked out Chris Gritzmacher. He, he could have skipped training sessions and ate whatever he want, missed weight, did the whole bit, and he would have, be, he would have beat Chris Gritzmacher in under two minutes. So this whole, he's a new man with Factory X. Guys, I like Factory X too. I think Mark Montoya is a hell of a coach and I think his day one guys like Devontae Smith, like Brandon Royval, all these guys have bright futures. But this kid, you know, Hernandez, what, you're, you're, the coaches that brought you up to the big show weren't good enough for you, so you got, you got to go somewhere else. And like we said, the fight got extended against Moises, and we saw what happens. Now, I didn't score a single round for Alex Hernandez. I thought he got beat pillar to post. And today, when you go on Instagram and you see Alexander Hernandez make a post talking about how he got robbed, like, that is just disgusting because you'd think after all these setbacks – that the kid would at least be humble and take this much accountability, take this much uh, responsibility. But uh, nope, not at all. So, I mean, the bottom line is uh, I think this kid was overhyped from the jump. I think the Benil Dariush fight was a complete fluke. And I hope that people keep overvaluing this kid because, you know, he walks around with a pocket thesaurus, uses big words. People talk like he's some future world champion. Like, guys, cut, cut. So... That, that's what I'm trying to say here. So Lee says, Royval is, is new, not day one. I mean, I think the point I'm trying to make here is that Royval didn't get away from what brought him to the dance. I mean, Royval, will, Royval stayed true to his style the entire time, and Royval won the big fights. Royval never got ahead of himself. Royval didn't start using these big words that we have to look up. Royval didn't disrespect legends. So um, you might be right in terms of the, you know, the tenure that he spent at that gym. But in terms of how this kid is acting, I, I cannot make that comparison at all. I think Hernandez is honestly a bit of an egomaniac. And I mean, you got you kind of got to be to be a fighter, but like 
at some point you got to be like, hey, this guy beat me fair and square. Props to Tiago. I'll be back. Like, wouldn't that be nice if he said something like that? Then we'd all be like, you know what, Alex? It's all good. You fought tough. Because I actually thought that Alex showed improvements. I actually thought that he didn't really gas out too bad. But he definitely lost the fight uh, 100%. Tiago Moises cracked him with some shots, man. Tiago Moises has been making improvements. You know, Tiago Moises is a guy with 19 pro fights, has been finished zero times. And... You know, both guys made their UFC debuts against Benil Dariush, but, you know, Tiago actually had a real fight with him, not a 40-second fluke. And this guy's been in there with Demir Ismagulov, who a lot of people don't know about him, but I consider him to be a top 15, top 20 guy. He's been in there with Michael Johnson, who I know he's a little flaky, but he's still a guy that has wins over Tony and Dustin. He's been in there with Bobby Green. He's now Alexander Hernandez. Now he's on a good little win streak. So I'm excited to see what Moises does. And obviously, I mean... Watching the fight last night is proof, but I thought we had proof before the fact that Moises might go on to be a top 15 guy. Hernandez, no, not so much. And Mark Montoya, a coach I respect so much. After Bruce Buffer announces the decision, Mark Montoya goes up to Bruce Buffer and asks him if he announced the wrong person the winner. Uh, do you guys understand what I'm saying here? Like, like Mark Montoya is one of the best coaches in the game. Like how, how is this even possible for a man of his intelligence, a man that's been in the shoes he's been in, who's cornered all these fighters, who's brought all these guys to the dance. Like how, how the hell is a guy that smart going up to buffer and asking, like, did you not watch the fight that every single one of us watched? Like that was 30, 27 Moises. So, you know, it's going to have to be a lot of reflection uh, going on in that camp is all I got to say. And don't be surprised if Alex Hernandez switches to even another camp because he strikes me as that kind of guy. All right. So y'all cool with that rant? Anything else you want me to say on that? So uh, Gabe said, I won a little scratch on Moises plus 190 in part because of the half the battle breakdown. I'm really happy I was able to uh, help you make money, man. Um, David says, do I think Grishin won? I think he won the first round. I think he lost the second round. I think the third round could have went either way. And I think when you have a 50-50 round, give it to the guy that made weight. So to me, it was what it was. Easy says he wants to see Moises versus Sarukian. Hey, I like that fight. You see, that's some good matchmaking right there. Like, um, I know I know Sarukian will probably be favored because a lot of people consider him to be a future champion. A lot of people are kind of not sold on Moises, but I'll just say this. It'd be a tougher fight for Sarukian than his last fight against Frivola. And before someone was like, yeah, he was minus a thousand versus Frivola. Didn't uh, Frivola rock him at one point in that fight? So I'm just saying it'd be a tougher fight than Frivola uh, for sure. But before I get to the Grisham fight, let me talk about Alexis Davis. So, man, she did something to Sabina Mazo, which is what, which is what we like to refer to as the vet lesson. And you know, I, this is a, a fight I was wrong about. Um, I was wrong on two fights last night. I was wrong on Jimmy, and I was wrong on Sabina. Every other fight I picked correctly. So I thought Sabina was just going to light her up standing. It was going to stuff the takedowns. She wasn't able to stuff the takedowns, and not only did she not stuff the takedowns, but um, she also didn't get back up from bottom. So uh, you, you already know the deal there. You're in there with a former title challenger. For those that don't know, I mean, Alexis Davis went in there with Ronda Rousey. Now, granted, she got knocked out in 16 seconds, but to make it to a UFC title shot, you know, um, that's that. Th those are places that Sabina Mazo has never been. I mean, Alexis Davis, 
I'm sure a lot of y'all don't know this. She actually beat Amanda Nunes back in the day. So she's just seen a different level of competition that uh, Sabina hasn't seen. And it was apparent. And it was actually one of the first fights in a while where the 13-year age gap didn't come through. Um, the older person won. So sometimes that shit happens, you know. Um, but I think that long term, if you play these people with, you know, 10-year age advantages, 13-year age advantages, I, I think they will win long term. Just last night wasn't one of them. So if you had Sabina, I mean, look, obviously it was very sharp to take Alexis Davis. So anybody that took Alexis Davis, much respect to you. But if you took Sabina, I wouldn't be kicking yourself. If you took Alex Hernandez, you should 100% be kicking yourself. But if you took Sabina, um, if you play that angle long term, you're going to win on those big age gaps. So it was what it was. Take it on the chin, move on to the next. But taking Alexander at that line at minus two. Alexander opened minus 140, guys. Okay, and that line, okay, that's acceptable. But but he got steamed to minus 240. Like, what? So if you took Alexander minus 180 to minus 200, that's an issue. But it's okay. We all make mistakes. You know, this year, um, these first two months have been rough on me as well, betting-wise. But this is a long-term game. And a lot of people like to throw out the term long-term game. But I really mean it when I say it. I really think that I'm going to still be here in 10 years. I really think that I'm going to still be here in 20 years. I'm going to have the biggest sample size of all these guys. When you see these guys come and go, you see these flavor of the month cappers, uh, this guy's on this big run. But then as soon as any adversity presents itself, then they delete their record. They change their name. They come back as a completely different person. You're not going to see any of that shit with me. You're going to see all the ups and downs firsthand. My record is available on my site, on all the you know third-party trackers, all that shit. Like, just go look it up anytime. So um, I got nothing to hide, but I know I will be here uh, for the long run. So count on that. Now, Ronnie Lawrence, man. He uh he put it on Vince Cachero. And, you know, it's funny. I had Ronnie Lawrence on Half the Battle four and a half years ago. I was helping promote this show called Valor Fights, which they have in Tennessee. And Ronnie Lawrence was on that card against the NFC veteran, um, uh, Brandon Webb, who actually, shout out to one of my other guys that, not that I represent, but that I sponsor is trying to get a fight with Brandon Webb. Once that gets, you know, finalized, I'll announce who. But uh, Ronnie Lawrence, man, he really did his thing. And... When I went, so I went back and I heard my and I listened to my interview with him because I just want to hear like what did this guy sound like four years ago? What was his mindset like? And then what's he like now? And when I went back and I heard that interview four years ago, well, firstly, um, my speaking skills have improved because goddamn, some of my old interviews are like cringe as fuck, man. Like you really got to pay your dues with all with everything you do in life. So I've come a long way. So don't listen to it for my part. Listen to it for his part. That kid is like was very insightful back then. So it, it actually makes sense to me why he's evolved into what he's evolved into. So, man, um, this guy truly is the limit. Um, you know, obviously he has to patch some things up. You know, we're not going to rush him into top 15 competition yet, but, you know, put him in there with another Vince Cachero. Put him in there, you know, that next step up the ladder. You know, these guys that borderline don't belong. Let him start to get a little seasoning. Let him get a little more comfortable. And then in a year or two, then we move up Ronnie Lawrence to that top 15 competition. And man, he is good because his well-roundedness, his ability to mix in the takedowns, but also have volume on the feet. And then when adversity presented itself to him, like y- y'all saw that guillotine attempt. That shit was nothing to scoff at. That shit was nothing to laugh off. He showed the composure of someone that can go somewhere in this sport, you know, because I've seen other guys like you guys remember this kid, TJ Brown, right? So he had a performance against um, Jordan Griffin where he dominated like the first seven minutes, right? And then 
the second any adversity presented itself, he got tapped out by some shit that we've never even seen before, right? You know, uh, it was something from Sidemount. I, I forget it. I, we watched so many fights, but I just remember this example. So, you know, TJ Brown, he dominated, but the second opportunity presented itself, nope. Whereas Ronnie Lawrence, man, he went through adversity like it was nothing, and then he keeps dominating. Like, it doesn't matter if he takes you down five times, you get up five times. He's going to try for that sixth, that seventh, that eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth, thirteenth. So, this kid, Ronnie Lawrence, has a bright future, and I'm excited to see what he does. Vince Cachero, love to have him in the NFC. If they give him one more fight in the UFC, he will be faded. But uh, you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. Matt Drucker corrects me. Guillotine from bottom side control. Exactly. You know, some shit that if you, if you do something like that in, uh, <laughs> in my jiu-jitsu class, uh, the professor will laugh at you, basically, if you get tapped out with that. But anyways, Dustin Jacoby versus Maxime Grishin. So this was a controversial fight to a lot of people. So... I scored the first round for Maxime Grishin. I scored the second round for Dustin Jacoby. It's all about how you score that third round. Third round was 50-50, man. I felt like Dustin Jacoby had the better moments early. Maxime had the better moments late. How do you score? It could go either way. I would not be mad at Maxime won, but I'm also not mad that Dustin won. When you have a 50-50 round, give it to the guy that made weight, not to the guy that missed weight by four and a half pounds. And I understand if it was so clear that Maxime, you know, clearly won without a shadow of a doubt, then we don't even bring up this weight miss shit because that has nothing to do with the fight. It all has to do with, you know, what actually happened. But when it truly is a coin flip, when it truly is 50-50, give it to the guy that made weight. So I really don't have a problem with uh, that decision. Bonuses went to Pedro Munoz and Jimmy, obviously. Um, performance went to Ronnie Lawrence. And I would have you know, there, were, there wasn't any other finishes on the car, but I would have personally given the other bonus to uh, Tiago Moises, but I, I understand, you know, why they didn't. But anyways, uh, y'all got some questions for me? Uh, type them up. Let me know. Ask me anything. Um, and uh, I'm going to look through the questions, and if I don't get any, then I'll just talk about the last car with Derek Lewis and Blades and go back to some of the other ones. Um, we've already been live for over an hour, so I appreciate y'all uh, sticking around here with me. All right, Rexley. He asked me, what happened with your line movement gig? Was enjoying the extra content there from you. Thank you very much, uh, Rex. So, I mean, basically, that was just beyond my control. You know, I, I didn't really have a say in the matter. Um, the reality is the people above the people that hired me, you know, they were done with MMA pretty much. So that's it. <laughs> you know, they didn't want to have MMA on their on their site anymore. So I respect their decision. Um and I'm I'm grateful for my time with them, man. Like I learned a lot uh, working at Line Moving. Although it was brief, I mean, I say brief. It was probably like a full year, maybe slightly less. Um, I'm grateful, you know. I made some good friendships, uh, some good associates. Uh, learned a hell of a lot, and overall had a good experience. So I'm I'm grateful to them. And honestly, I wish them the best uh, in the future. I hope they I hope they kill it, man. Because I know I'm gonna kill it. So I hope they kill it too. MMA bet surgeon says big ups, Dan, huge inspiration for me to get into going live, watching you guys grow this huge. Oh, awesome, man. And let us know uh, what your channel is, man. would love to check it out. I appreciate the kind words. MT soup can says that boy, Dan back at it. Can I hear some thoughts on Sean Brady? I want to bet him. I think Sean Brady is a very promising prospect. I think he's very lucky that Bilal Muhammad and him didn't fight. And this is a much better matchup for him here against Jake Matthews. Um, it, it's just really about 
when is first L time coming? You know, he hasn't really fought anybody. You know, this ain't no Christian Aguilera or washed up court McGee anymore, but the kid's shown the goods. He's extremely tough. He's very well-rounded. He doesn't take any unnecessary risks and he took the smart fights on the regional scene. And when I say that, I say it kind of tongue in cheek because he turned down fights with some of my guys, which I don't blame him, but, um, I think he's been making the right career moves, and I think he's taking this fight at the right time. It's just about, is that UFC experience of Jake Matthews too much for him at this point? Because Jake Matthews has been in the UFC since he was just a fucking kid, man. Like, since he was literally a kid. I think he might have been a teenager when he was on The Ultimate Fighter. Someone correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong. But now he's a grown-ass man. So, you know, I know he's had some blunders in the past, but I think it's. I think we're dealing with a new Jake Matthews. The question is, how good is Sean Brady really? So I think Saturday night is going to let us know exactly uh, how good he is, and I'm excited to see that firsthand. Nick Rodriguez was asking me about Jamar Whitehead. Is he in the UFC? Uh, not yet. He will be though. Um, but like I said, he's making his pro debut. So, you know, what kind of move would that be for me to get him in the UFC at O and O? Like, let's get him some experience first. We do things the right way then he will be in the UFC. And in this Bantamweight division, he's going to make an impact. Just give it two years. Trust me on that. Teron says, what do you make of Tony Ferguson training with Freddie Roach? Um, good for him. I mean, I think he needs to try new things. I think that at this point in his career, he can't have any yes men around him anymore that just, you know, kiss his ass and let him do all the wild shit that he wants to do. Like, let's change it up. Let's bring some new scenery in. So hopefully that's what he needs. We'll, we'll find out uh, very soon. If, if it is or if it isn't, but um, I'm just happy that at least he's training with different people because I felt like it was starting to get stagnant. He needs to add new things if he wants to stay at the top five of this division because I'll tell you this, another loss, he's out that top five in a blink, and then another loss after that, he's out the top 15. So, yeah, uh, Tony definitely needs to make some changes. Um, damn, there was someone out here like spamming some like weird shit. <laughs> oh, man. My boy, Will Martin, said, great news. Congrats to both you and Jamar uh, and much continuing success going forward. Thank you so much, Will. Um, and, you know, I wish you all the best, too, my friend. You know, uh, got nothing but love for my boy, Will Martin. You know, I always mention the story about how I went to Scotland when I was a kid. Um, I'll never forget their Halloween parade. I love Scotland. The castle's there. What a badass place. I hung out with Will Martin in Vegas in 2016. So really cool dude. And, and obviously wish him nothing but health and happiness and success. All right, let's see what else y'all got for me. So a lot of these were uh, questions were while Jamar was on. So I need a. McCall says surreal gun can decision anyone. Yeah, I mean, listen, he uh, he looked really good last night. Um, it's just uh, now there's not going to be guys that what Jerzinho did last night, and this is not to discredit Cyril Gan at all, but what Jerzinho did was he made a conscious decision that like, hey, if I overcommit, I'm going to get knocked out. So why don't I just not take any unnecessary risks and just kind of let this guy carry me to a decision and I'll just lose that way and then live to fight another day. So I know that sounds brutal. I know, oh, I'm, oh do I think I'm a mind reader now? No, I don't at all. <laughs> not even a little bit, but that's what happened. So it is what it is. Easy says, congratulations on your next step, Dan, and best of luck with your management endeavor. Hey, man, thank you so much. I, I appreciate that. Um, Humble Pie says, Cyril Gans fights are great when you bet money on him. Thanks for the shout out. Love from the UK. Man, I, I love my UK fans, man. Y'all are fucking awesome. Y'all are passionate. 
And I know it's not early over there right now. I think it's probably like fucking 12, 16 in the morning. So thank you for uh, being here with me, man. It's fucking awesome. All right, let's see what else. Easy said the main event last night really reminded me of Izzy versus Romero, and we know what happened to Romero after. He does have a point. What do you think is going to happen uh, with Romero versus uh, Rumble Johnson? Because um, like on on the surface, it's like, oh man, he could get knocked out. But then you got to remember, wasn't Rumble Johnson's like last fight against uh, Cormier where he pulled one of the biggest stunts that we've seen in all our years watching this sport? So um, I'm very curious about that fight as well. All right, let's see. What else y'all got for me? McCall says, Myra is my favorite female fighter. Yeah, she's a badass, man. She hits so damn hard. She's got good jujitsu. If she can just fix that wrestling this much, she's going to have a lot of success in that weight class for sure. Um, And I'm excited to to see what she does. SC for all says, Myra, Myra was deducted a point way too early. Did she even get warned? Could have warned her and put... Myra on her back instead of deducting a point. The referee is usually on point. Okay, so let's talk about that. So you bring up good points because I was actually very curious as to why. Now, was it Jaron Vallel or was it someone else? But I was very curious as to why the ref didn't put them back in that position with uh, Montana on top of Myra. So instead, I guess he called it a trade-off. He said, listen, I'm not going to let you keep the position, but I'm going to take a point. Um, And I do, to an extent, agree with you that he could have instead gave her back the position but not docked the point. But I've noticed a a lot of referees, and this is 100% ref's discretion, so he didn't, like, go, he didn't, like, um, what's the word, something his jurisdiction? He didn't cross his jurisdiction. What's the fucking term I'm looking for, guys? Y'all let me know in the chat. But he didn't, he didn't, okay, he didn't overstep his jurisdiction. He is totally in line to give a deduction without any warning for a face grab. So, I, I agree with you that it would have been nice to get a warning, but like that was such a blatant fence grab and it impacted a part of the fight because she was going to be taken down right there. So, you know, and I like my ear. I picked my ear. Um, so I want to defend her, um, but I do kind of get where the ref is coming from. And I've seen that decision made before me personally. I would have liked a warning, but it was so blatant and it definitely had an impact on a position that I do get uh where he's caught where he's coming from so the call says montana versus procopio uh the girl that beat molly yeah exactly that's what i'm talking about montana's performance did not show me that she's ready to move up instead it showed me that she's going to be a prospect tester for the rest of her career so uh definitely procopio i like that you know uh, Lee says Mozart if Loyev deserves a ranked guy oh he said that because McCall said Caceres was Mozart uh, dude listen all, all due respect to Caceres, yeah, he did a great job, but like, we're, we're not putting him in there with Mosar Evloyev. Uh, like, what that's just a waste of a fight. Evloyev would be like minus a thousand there. Um, so n- no disrespect, but I'm not interested in that fight. But Caceres, we can still use him to test borderline UFC caliber guys, like people making their UFC debuts, people with two fights in the, in the UFC. Like, those are the kind of guys we test against Caceres. Matt says he's never been a fan of Alex since that fake love touch for his Benny. Yeah. You know, not that I liked it because I didn't like it, but like that's never actually what bothered me about him. What bothered me was the blatant disrespect he 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 showed towards a, a true legend of the sport and Donald Cerrone. And then last night, 
acting like this shit was a robbery. Like what? It was clear 3027. So that stuff honestly bothers me more than the fake love touch. Um, because when you're in war, um, all is fair in love and war, right? Like there's, there's certain rules, but he didn't break a rule there. And he's not breaking a rule here with, you know, all the shit he's saying. We live in a free country. You're allowed to think what you want to think. You're allowed to say what you want to say. And there's no problem. But it it really rubs. He just rubs me the wrong way, man. <laughs> like no accountability, no responsibility. And, and you know, saying you got robbed, like what? Like, dude, no, you, no, you, no, you did not, my friend. You did not get robbed. Do any of y'all think that Hernandez got robbed? Like, I'm not tripping, right? Like, do any of y'all think Hernandez won that fucking fight? Like, Tiago Moises won every round, right? Like, there wasn't even a round that was in question, right? Like, so, yeah, um, I don't, I don't fucking know what he's talking about, man. And it's just disgusting that his team is backing him up on that. Like, they should be the ones like, hey, Alex, like, great fight, man. You fought tough, but you lost. So David Dean wants me to tell him more about Kyler Phillips. So interesting uh, you asked because I actually had him on half the battle a long ass time ago too. So basically Kyler, the Matrix Phillips. So this is a guy that he's coming into his own now. If you go back and you watch some of his fights, whether it was on Contender Series, whether it was on the Ultimate Fighter, even some of his early LFA fights, he hadn't developed into the man that he is now. And he wasn't ready for the UFC back then. Now he is. Now he's ready to make a run. He's very talented. Um, one thing that's interesting about this fight. So, oh yeah, actually, never mind. I was gonna say, why, why do I think of Song Yudong as like a featherweight? That's just off. Maybe, oh yeah, that Marlon Vera fight was that featherweight, but the thing is, Song Yudong is normally a bantamweight. For some reason, I was under the impression he's gonna have a big size advantage here. Kyler's no no slouch at all. Very um, very crisp stri uh, striking background. I think he comes from either a karate or a taekwondo background. Nice spin kicks. His hands are getting better. His wrestling's on point. Um, well, it's it's much improved than it used to be. That's for sure. So I think Kyler Phillips is a a promising prospect. This is a serious test, though. This ain't this ain't the guy he just fought in his last fight. Like <laughs> was in there with like guys with zero and ten records. Like no joke. So this is a big step up in competition for Kyler. But uh, I'm very curious to see how he performs. MTS says, yo, Dan, ESPN uh, better have cut you a check for those fire tweets last night. Vet lesson. Hashtag vet lesson. I appreciate that. Listen, I'm grateful ESPN showed, they showed like fucking four or five of my tweets last night, which was really badass. So I'm just grateful for that. And um, listen, down the line, I'm going to be on there. Um, but I still got some work to do. I still got to pay my dues. And I think the people that are at the desk right now are more qualified than me. But I do think that if I stay focused, I stay humble, and I keep working hard, maybe one day you'll see me uh, back there with a suit, without a hat, without a chain, you know, just uh, killing it. So, but one day at a time, man. Um, you know, I have to earn that spot. You know what I'm saying? But I appreciate the kind words. All right. Midnight said, feed Moises to Fiziev. Mm. You know, that's actually a really good fight. You know, I kind of want to see that fight now since since you talked, uh, since you mentioned it like that. I mean, listen, I know Fiziev's a beast, and I know he knocked out a guy in Moicano who got knocked out in two of his last three or three of his last four now, if you want to be 100. Um, I think Moises has never been knocked out in 19 pro fights. So now I'm very curious. Now, midnight, I want to see this fight now. I want to see what happens if uh, Moises gets past the first round with Fiziev. Like, that is a really good fight. So, yeah, I like where your head's at. Maybe that's the fight to make next. 
All right. Mikal says Sabina killed two of my parlays. Uh, it sucks, man. Like I said earlier, you know, Alexis was definitely the sharp side there. But this is one of those chalk spots that you lost on that I wouldn't beat yourself up too bad about. Because like I said, if you keep playing that 10-year age gap angle, you're going to win long term. Just didn't go your way last night. It, it, it was what it was. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't beat yourself up too bad on that one. MTS says, I hit on Alexis Davis, Tiago Moises, Parlay. Damn. God damn, man. Hey, that was very sharp. Listen, I personally would recommend just playing them straight. And the reason why is this. And granted, I'm not sitting here trying to discredit your winnings or anything because you did a great job. You parlayed the two best underdogs on the card and you won. So I'm very happy for you. But long term, think about it like this. If you take two underdogs, you put the same amount on both and only one of them wins. You're walking away uh, profitable, whereas you parlay them and only one of them wins. Uh, pobrecito, you know what I'm saying? You're fucking losing. So last night you hit it, which I'm very happy for you because they were very sharp plays. But long term, I would put the same amount on both. And all you need is one of them to win. And that's a winning night right there. And I know some people kind of view that as a losing mindset because they want to view it as like, hey, every person I bet on should win. But that's not that's just unrealistic. That's not how this game works. Like you. None of us are clairvoyant. None of us have a crystal ball. So you just got to, you know, use the data and make, uh, I guess, educated guesses, right? But I would recommend putting the same amount on both dogs, playing them straight. And if you hit both, holy shit. And then if you want to parlay them on the side for smaller money, that's cool too. But to have it be your only play, it worked out last night, but long-term is it going to work out? So I say bet both dogs, put the same amount on both, hope that one wins. But if both wins, hey, we're, we're rolling high. So, yeah, there's lots of things you can do. David Dean said, are you very selective in the bets you actually make? Yes, I am. Um, you got to be, man, because you just got to be. Um, in this game, like, you'll see so many different styles of betting, and then you'll see people that don't even actually bet, but they just have records, um, and they, like, risk, like, 70 to 100 units per event, and you're like, dude, no real better bets like that, like, I, I get you're trying to game the system. I get you're trying to, you know, yeah. It, it's basically like PEDs, you know, it's just a, it's fake. It's not the real thing. So basically, I think you do have to be selective, but everybody's different, you know. All right, let's see. Evan says, let's see Mazo over Silva next. That's a good fight. Um, I like that, but you know, I jokingly tweeted out yesterday. I want to see Mazo versus Lipsky. You know, they were both so hyped up when they came into the UFC. That uh, and they haven't quite lived up to it. I want to see that fight, but I, I like where you're coming from, and I would pick uh, uh, Mayira Bueno Silva in that fight. Nick says, "I am. I aim to be here after 20 years, and I will be at the top." Hey, that's a that's a good mindset, man. I will see you there, my friend. I mean, you gotta be willing to do this for the long term because that's what this fucking game is. I mean, this ain't like sports where you know you have a prime where like. You know, from your mid twenties to your mid thirties, that like that's your prime or whatever. Like here, I can do this shit till I'm sixty years old. The the thing is, some of these guys take a loss, and then the way they react to losing, um, because winning is great. And when you win in this game, it's funny. When you win in this game, you're God's gift to planet Earth. But when you lose, you're the biggest piece of shit that anybody's ever seen. So, you know, when you deal with those, you know, feelings and just the negative comments when you lose and all that shit, that's going to determine a lot because a lot of people aren't cut out for the shit. A lot of people will get the backlash and then they'll be like, holy shit, this is, this shit's kind of dark. 
and they just can't handle it. That's why, like I said, they'll delete their record. They'll come back with a brand new name. Like I've, I've seen this shit so many fucking times, man. When you look at my six year sample size, you know, never once did I come back with a new name. Never once did I delete my record. Never once did I fucking, you know, go, you know, go dark. Cause I had a skid or something like I've been here the whole fucking time and I'm going to continue to be here the entire time when all these guys come and go. So I'm very excited about that. Um, and uh, I'm also excited about this month of March coming up because these first two months sucked for me uh, betting wise. So now it's time to just continue the long term grind, man. I'm I'm just excited to to still be here after all these years. And now with all these other opportunities developing behind the scenes, whether it's the management, whether it's signing my first fighter, Jamar Whitehead, um, I parted ways with line movement, but I got something else in the works that I'll look to announce in the coming weeks and months. So. Listen, just keep trucking forward no matter what uh, life throws at you. McCall says, Lawrence has unlimited cardio. I'm going to be betting on him in the future. Probably a smart move. The only issue is the lines are going to get significantly worse. I mean, whoever bet that minus 150, minus 160, minus 170, minus 200 on him last night, um, really sharp because that's the last time you're going to see a line like that on him. You know what I'm saying? So, David Dean says, normal, look at old Bruce Buffer intros. Got to get your reps. I think he's referring to what I was saying earlier. Like, if you go back and listen to past half the battle episodes, like, there's definitely been an improvement. I'm not sitting here saying that, you know, I'm this or I'm that, but I've improved. So now I just got to keep improving. And that's it. Let's see. <laughs> because says, let Lawrence beat up Castaneda. Exactly. A fight like that. You know what I'm saying? Guys like that are who he should fight. And man, I felt bad for Eddie Wineland because he was like winning that entire fight, but he's so fucking old, that one shot on the chin, and he just couldn't take it. But yeah, it was funny because the better fighter was Eddie Wineland. So I like this suggestion. Lawrence versus Castaneda. That's a good one. Uh, Lawrence versus Albazi. Why do why you want to do my boy Albazi like that? And also, those are different weight classes, man. Albazi is a flyweight. Lawrence is a featherweight or a bantamweight? Featherweight, right? Featherweight, right? So, yeah, they're not in the same weight class. I like that fight, though. You know what I'm saying? But not in the same weight class. All right, let's see what else y'all got. And I appreciate y'all being here uh, with me. Matt says, did I hear about Mateus Gamra versus Scotty Holtzman? Yes, I did. Very good fight. Very, very good fight. Excited for that. Uh, Nick said, been watching footage of Jamar, the rock star whitehead. He looks like the real deal. Couldn't find much of Dave Morgan except getting submitted by Cody Dern. Yeah, um, you know, and shout out to Cody Dern. I do sponsor him. He's a friend of mine. He's a friend of Jamar's as well. Um, Cody Dern was actually one of the main reasons behind us fighting Dave Morgan. Um, he suggested that as we had an original opponent. And that original opponent, I guess he looked up footage of Jamar. And after he had already said yes to the fight, then he was like, uh, no. <laughs> he was like, fuck this. And we never heard from him again. So Cody, um, because Jamar's been training with Cody, Jamar's been training with Diego, Douglas, Lima, all these guys. Cody actually was like, what about Dave Morgan? So we, uh, we looked into it. Um, we found out that Dave Morgan was interested in taking the fight. He wanted to make his return. So that's uh that's the fight now. So I'm excited. I think I think we picked a very good fight for Jamar. Nick says I knew I couldn't trust Sabina Mazo because of her last fight where she was clearly losing to a bum. Oh man, hey, be nice to be nice to Justin Key. She beat uh Randa Marcos and Nina Anzaroff, and she's very exciting. But I agree with you. Uh Sabina definitely had some very sketchy moments uh in that fight. Ryan Wilson said Yan or Sterling please. I'll just tell you this. I do have a pick. 
um, for sure. I know who I'm taking. You got to tune in to half the battle later this week for that, though. Um, you already know the deal, man. Shaq and I will break that fight down. But I'll just let you know this. I already know who I'm picking in that fight, and I'm very, very excited. Humble Pie says, minimize risk, never get greedy. Yeah, and I mean, if you do get greedy, you got to learn from your mistakes. Um, this is, like I said, people like to throw around the term long-term game, but I really I really mean it when I say it, that I want to be here in 20 years. And I mean, unless just something else comes up that, I mean, a lot of shit is going to come up, and, you know, there might be, you know, maybe I got to take six months off. Maybe I got to take a year off, but, like, I will always be in this game no matter what, um, no matter what comes my way. So this is something you can do. Uh, <laughs> Ayub, Alisa, did you Photoshop UFC tickets to get in to watch free fights? That's fucking hilarious. You know that when you buy a ticket, right, they got a barcode. And when you scan it um, for entry, basically, if someone else has that same barcode, not only are they getting turned down at the door, but they might even get arrested for um, not forgery, but like, and not fraud either, but like they might get arrested for some shit. Cause like that, that's a big no, no. So hell no, I ain't Photoshopping nothing, bro. I don't even know how to use Photoshop. So nope. Let's see. Dirty reg said, just don't be one of them. Know it all predictors. I hate them. Dirty reg. Half the battle has been around since 2015. So what you see is what you get. Now, I'm not perfect. I've definitely had my moments. I've definitely made improvements and I'll definitely continue to improve. But it's a, you have a big enough sample size to know that, you know, I'm not one of these, you know, know it all guys and this and that. I still have a lot of room to grow. I, you know, I'm not, I haven't even peaked yet, man. So we got a long room to grow, uh, to grow. So I, I do appreciate you saying that, though, because, I mean, I agree with you, man. You don't want to be one of these know-it-alls. You know, no one likes a know-it-all, and there's a lot of them out there. So, yeah. CS says, anybody else like Jimmy Rivera more after this at all? See, this is what I was talking about. When you put on a fight like that, it doesn't matter if you win or lose. All that matters is that you went out there and entertained the fans and fought your balls off and put on that kind of show. So yeah, we all are very happy that Jimmy Rivera was in a super exciting fight and we can't, we can't see, uh, wait to, uh, see him fight again. Let the, he says, CS says, let the boys fight thug nasty versus Lawrence who takes it. So I like the fight and they have very similar styles, but not, not, not yet because, um, thug nasty is currently ranked and Lawrence still has a ways to go. So I like the fight, but, uh, not quite yet. Matt Drucker says, do Durden and Gooden have fights? So Cody Durden um, tore his ACL in the Jimmy Flick fight, but he's actually making a very speedy recovery. And we have a specific opponent that we want um, for his comeback fight. And I think it's a very winnable fight. So I, I look forward to him getting that. And then Jared does have a fight um, at UFC 260, but I'm not allowed to say who until it gets announced. Um, but yeah, he's got a fight at UFC 260. A tough fight, too, by the way. All right. Tehran says Justin G versus Michael Chandler should be next. I like that fight a lot. My boy, Nasty Nate, checking in from the fire station. Hey, shout out to Nasty Nate. Uh, check out Nate Williams, uh, one of my best fight picks, sponsored athletes, badass featherweight. We're doing the right things, taking the right fights. And hopefully uh, Nasty Nate steps in for a short notice UFC opportunity here later on in uh, 2021. 
CS says, hey, Dan, I'll be pulling for you to replace Bisping. <laughs> Dude, Bisping is a legend. Bisping is a Hall of Famer. Bisping is a former champion. Uh, Bisping has been killing it behind the mic. And, you know, maybe one day I can fill those shoes, but not quite yet. You know, Bisping is on a different level than I am currently. But, you know, you strive to reach levels like that down the line. And I definitely do strive to reach levels like that down the line. Now, granted, I won't have the same point of entry because I will never be a, a, a former UFC champion or a UFC Hall of Famer. So he's got that on me. And the guy is just a he's a badass. It's Michael Bisbing. He's a legend. And he's been doing great behind the desk, too. I, I love it, man. So basically, I think it's going to be another 10 years before I'm even in talks to to have any kind of position like that. But I'm willing to put the work in to get there. So let's see what happens. McCall says, which fighter do you want to see more active? Mine are Ismagulov and Montel Jackson. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, I wish they would be more active. Uh, Demir Ismagulov, I think he's a top 15, top 20 guy right now in the lightweight division, which you guys know how stacked lightweight is. So to be top 15, it's a big fucking deal. Uh, I just wish he'd fight more often. And Montel, man, he's so talented. What happened that last fight against Brett Johns? He drops Brett Johns, and then he stops fighting completely. Um, it was crazy, man. So, yeah. David Dean said, will you bet against the fighter that you want to root for? Yeah, for sure. I mean, listen, I'm not going to bet against the guy that I'm representing or a guy that I'm sponsoring or a guy that I'm friends with, but I'll definitely bet against a favorite fighter of mine. Um, I would have to pull up my record because, I mean, basically, I bet on, I mean, we bet on so many events that, like, <laughs> my memory is shot at this point, but let me go back and see if I've bet against any of my favorite fighters recently. Um. So, let's see. Because, I mean, you got to be able to put all that shit aside um, no matter what. So, yeah. I would recommend uh, it doesn't matter if they're your favorite fighter or not. It's all about the matchup and it's all about the odds. That's the most important thing. So, even though I can't name you an example off the top of my head, just know that the answer is yes. All right, let's see. I knew you were sharp when you made me bet Nick, uh, Mateus Nicolau against Smolka when Lewis wasn't motivated and still drinking every day. See, Ali, that's one of my all-time favorite bets, um, the max bet on Mateus Nicolau. When you see the interviews with Smolka and you know he's, he's drunk as fuck with talking to Frank Trigg and Frank Trigg's like, are you all right? And like we already liked Mateus Nicolau in that spot regardless. But you know to know that it's not just a regular bet and it's, and it's, a, it's a max bet and to really you know, put your balls on the line. Seeing an interview like that just adds insult to injury. Like we had already capped the fight. We already determined that Nick Lau was way better than Smolka and he was going to win. But then you see Smolka drunk before the biggest fight of his career. And we're like, oh shit, it's max bet season. So yeah. Uh, Matt Drucker says UFC is smart putting Gooden on these pay-per-view prelims. He's only in bangers. Exactly. This fight might be a little bit tougher um, in that sense, stylistically, but We'll, we'll see what happens. Um, I also think uh, I also think Jared's got a lot of finishing potential in this fight. So it just depends where it takes place. But it's a tough fight for sure on paper. And I expect Jared to actually be the underdog in this fight again. AJ, what's up, AJ? He says, love the passion, Dan. Appreciate you, bro. I appreciate you, bro. Uh, keep up the good work. Keep being positive and keep doing the right things. And that'll take you far. Nate Williams says, you think it's time for Alex Caceres to get a ranked opponent? You know, Nate, I, I wish... Uh, Alex Caceres would welcome you to the UFC. You know what I mean? Like that's when you make your UFC debut, I want you to fight against Kevin Kroom or Alex Caceres or something like that. So no, I don't want to see Alex Caceres in there with a ranked opponent because 
we've already tried that experiment in the past. And every single time we go there, I mean, it doesn't end well. So I don't think he's ready for that level. And honestly, I don't even think he wants to fight ranked opponents. If you if you heard his interview, he didn't even know who Alexander Volkanovsky was. He doesn't even know who the champion in his weight class is. And that's not because he's, you know, dumb or th- it's just because all he cares about is like showing up, get my win, get my second paycheck, and we're on our way. He doesn't give a fuck about climbing the ranking. This guy's been in the UFC for over 10 years. So he's worked his way up to those bigger paychecks. So why risk it? You know, why risk, you know, your second check against a much higher level? opponent when you can fight some fucking newcomer and get paid six figures you feel what i'm saying nate williams so i think alex is just going to keep doing what he's doing fight guys on their debut fight guys with two ufc fights three ufc fights i think i don't think we ever see him in a prospect showdown or a top 15 fight and not because we have anything against him but just because that's not who he is so i think that's pretty much the deal cs says was the bueno silva point deduction the right decision so early I kind of covered it already. It's, it's ref's discretion. It really uh, depends how you view that. I mean, listen, the cage grab was definitely impactful on the on the situation because Montana was going to get on top of her. So, I don't, I, listen, I was rooting for Myra, so obviously it sucked as a Myra fan, but no, I don't think it was un, unjustified. She That was a really bad fence grab, man. Evan said, I had to bet on Chucky versus Tony Ferguson. It became clear to me he wasn't the same fighter and Chucky was getting too, way too good. Hey, Evan, that's a fantastic bet because not only did you take uh, the dog money on Charles Oliveira in a fight where he's the much better fighter, but you also capitalized on Tony Ferguson being on the downside of his career. And you didn't let the fact that his name is Tony Ferguson, that we all love him so much. He was on this 13 fight win streak. You didn't let any of that shit affect you. You just looked at the fight at hand. You saw the value in the odds and you took it. So Evan, I think that was a very sharp bet on Charles Oliveira. And in fact, I think that was actually one of the better bets of all of 2020. So shout out to you, my man. Teron says Alex should fight Cub Swanson next. I know he shouldn't. (laughs) Um, Cub Swanson should fight the winner of Gavin Tucker and Dan Ige. Cub Swanson's Guys, Cub Swanson's top 15, top 20. Alex is like top 50. I like Alex. He's fun. But Alex should only be welcoming newcomers or, you know, guys with two or three fights in the UFC. Cub's a fucking perennial top 15, top 20. It's just a different. It's just different, man. Cub needs to test these prospects that are trying to make it to the rankings. Like I said, the Gavin Tuckers, the Mozart Evloyevs, you know, guys like that. Those are the guys that um, that uh, Cub Swanson should be fighting. CS said, don't laugh at where is Shaq right now. You know, it's funny because when you say don't laugh, that makes me want to laugh. But um, no, I mean, I'm sure he's chilling right now. Um, he's doing his thing. Uh, we were actually involved in the uh, we're doing a fantasy baseball league. So we were in the draft earlier. We were talking earlier. So I'm sure he's uh, I'm sure he's chilling right now. Um, my boy Nate says, I feel you. I would definitely love to fight him. Hey, after you beat this guy from Alaska and then we beat one or two more. Then uh, you fight Bruce Leroy in your UFC debut, and uh, we take it from there. I think it's a very winnable matchup. I'm predicting Nasty Nate Williams' first-round submission. Nate also wants to know, how do you think John Jones fares at heavyweight? think the extra weight gain will slow him down or add to his power. That's a good question. So you remember when John Jones fought OSP, and a lot of people criticized that performance. They said that he didn't look the same. They said that he was slower. Now, one thing I want to 
the reason I'm bringing up that OSP fight was because you, if you remember correctly, he did a lot of heavy power lifting going into that fight. So he put on a lot of size and people felt like it kind of slowed him down. Now, granted, there was a big weight cut to 205. Here, he's not cutting weight anymore. How's he going to look? I think he's going to look great, but I think it depends on the opponent. I think you put John Jones in there with Andre Arlovsky. He's winning that fucking fight. You put him in there with Curtis Blades. He's winning that fight too. It's just when you talk about the Francis Ngannou's or the Stipe Miocic's, that's where it becomes a real fight. Um, Francis, obviously, with that power early, he can end anyone's night. And then Stipe, just such a grinder, is willing to get into a dogfight. But then you got the, you know, the gifts that John Jones brings to the table because he's not just, you know, a special fighter in terms of like, look, his fight IQ is amazing, his technique is amazing, he's well rounded, he's got all that. But then he's also got the gifts, the longest reach in UFC history. He's, you know. He's just such a special athlete and such a special talent that it wouldn't surprise me to see John Jones have the same success at heavyweight. But at the same time, Nate, you know the big boys are the big boys and moving up those 40 pounds is it's a different ball game. That's why we're so intrigued to see what happens in that fight. That's why we all want to know what's going to happen with him at heavyweight. So off the rip, I definitely think he beats most of the top 10. It's just uh, when it, when we get time to fighting, you know, uh, Stipe and Francis, that's where I'm not saying Jones is going to lose and I'm not saying he's going to win, but those are the fights where, like, I, I just don't know. Like, I really don't know. But I do know he beats, you know, guys from rank from number five all the way outside the rankings. He beats all those guys for sure. But when we get to the top two, that's where uh, shit gets interesting. Teron says, who do you think Nate, uh, excuse me, who do you think Tony Ferguson fights next? I just gave it away. I hope he fights Nate Diaz. I think that Tony Ferguson versus Nate Diaz is the fight to make. I like that fight a lot. Makes sense for both guys. Book it. JR says, any thoughts on the Rakic money line? I definitely do have some thoughts on that Rakic money line. 100% I got thoughts on that. Uh, tune in to half the battle later this week and you'll hear my thoughts on that. Um, wink, wink. You know what I'm saying? Um, Use your wrestling, buddy. <laughs> you know, uh, Tiago can't wrestle. That's been established since day one. That's been established in the middle of his career versus Eric Spicely. And it got exposed his very last fight. So we saw it at the beginning of his career versus Cesar Mutanch. We saw it in the middle of his career versus Eric Spicely. And we saw it his very last fight versus Glover Teixeira. If Alexander Rakic mixes in that wrestling, he is going to look like a big favorite here. If he tries to stand and bang with Tiago. Not saying he won't have success. Tiago has been knocked out before, but Tiago also has some of the most knockouts in uh, UFC history. So, And Rakic got dropped twice by Devin Clark, which is like a big red flag. So Rakic better, uh, Rakic better be shooting on them legs. And I think if he does, he's got a good chance to look like a big favorite. Matt says, is Luke a retiring Woodley? Uh, in my opinion, but I think Woodley already is retired. I think this is just adding insult to injury. I think this is just collecting a paycheck. Um, listen, Woodley has lost 15 or 14 and a half straight rounds. He's lost over an hour straight of competition and they aren't just like he's getting edged out, but he's showing so much spirit. No, no. He is getting absolutely destroyed pillar to post by the top guys in his weight class. And each fight is a life changer. So now he's taking a step back in competition. The, the issue is Vicente is going to kick his calf so hard. Vicente is going to hit him with a left hook and not fighting against Vicente. And when I say not fighting, I don't mean, you know, not showing up. I mean, 
Tyron Woodley style of backing himself into the fence and not throwing shit. Not fighting against Vicente is a recipe for disaster. Tyron Woodley is completely past his prime to a point where I wouldn't be surprised if he never won a UFC fight ever again. When Tyron Woodley was in his prime, he would do the same shit that he does now, which is back himself into the fence. The only difference was, you know, he still had a little bit of youth in him. He still, you know, he still threw with that big explosiveness. He still had that power. You know, he still had that fast twitch. All that shit's completely gone now. So now when you see him let his right hand go, it ain't got the same impact it had when he fought Carlos Condit. It doesn't have the same impact it had when he fought Robbie Lawler. It ain't the same shit as when, you know, he used to knock out all these guys viciously, brutally. It ain't the same. So even though Vicente is very hittable, I think Vicente Luque is going to maul Tyron Woodley from bell to bell. So, yeah, I do think that he is retiring Woodley. And, you know, people talk about, well, why aren't the people around Tyron Woodley telling him to retire? Like, why, why isn't Dean Thomas taking a stand? Guys, you know Tyron Woodley gets 100K to show, maybe even more? You know that a manager or a coach or whatever takes 10%? You're telling me you wouldn't want your 10K? Is that, is that what you're telling me? So, listen, I know where Dean's coming from. He supports his friend. He says that, hey, if he wants to fight, who am I to tell him differently? And my opinion is if if you want your 10K, who am I to tell you differently? So, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. The fight game is a brutal one, my man. CS says, where are we going to see Izzy versus Bones? Light heavyweight or heavyweight, or do we never see it? Um, Light heavyweight, if it ever happens. I don't know if it happens, but if it does, it would be at uh, light heavyweight for sure. We do not see Izzy at heavyweight. Hey, Dan, I like Dan Hooker versus Tony to headline, but Nate is good too. You know, I heard a rumor about Dan Hooker possibly moving up to 70s. I don't know if there's any truth to that. That might be total bullshit. But um, I like that fight, Hooker versus Tony. But, man, there's something about Tony and Nate that even with, you know, Tony being on the two-fight skate, even with Nate not fighting in forever, like that's still a fucking fight that I want to see. And let me just bring this up, funny stat, because you know I brought up how Nate hasn't fought forever. Nate uh, Diaz, that is. You know that Nate Diaz has fought twice since the last time Leon Edwards has fought? Real shit. Look it up. Facts. So uh, let's see uh, what my boy Bilal uh, does. Tehran says, aren't you part Mexican? Only uh, the better part. Yeah, there there is definitely some uh, Mexican in me. And you know I got love for the Mexican warriors. I was born in the United States, but I'm, I am first-generation American, so um, half. So part of it is uh, there there is some Mexican in my blood. Evan says, Tony versus Darius seems like a good fight to me. Oh, that seems like a great fight to me as well. Um, I'd love to see Darius um, get tested like that. I'd love to see Darius get that big step up in competition. I'd love to see Benil Darius get rewarded for his hard work and get that big name fight against Tony Ferguson. So, Evan, I'm with you on that. Tehran says, Tony Ferguson versus Dan Hooker does make a lot of sense. The UFC should hire you for being a matchmaker because you always mention great fights. Um, yeah, that is, that is a great fight. Um, I like the... Uh, Man, I got to go with Nate versus Tony, though. That's my fight. All right. Let's see. All right, guys. I think we're wrapping up now. Thank you guys very much. If you have any more questions for me, you let me know. Uh, according to Terlansky, Kyler Phillips is the best dog on the car. Yeah, he's very talented. And he's definitely been making improvements. So let's see what he does. So, guys, if that's it, then thank you very much. If you got any more questions, you let me know right now. Because if not, I'm getting the fuck out of here. But make sure you guys check out my sponsor, Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com and use that promo code BATTLE20 for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. That's code BATTLE20 for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. So thank you guys uh, very, very much. Um, 
And uh, I really appreciate y'all. We'll be back later this week to break down UFC 259, three title fights on the horizon. Jan Blahovich versus Israel Adesanya, Amanda Nunes versus Megan Anderson, and Piotr Yan versus Aljamain Sterling. So sick undercard. You know it's a stacked car when Dominic Cruz versus Casey Kenny is on the prelims. So cannot wait. Thank you guys very much. This was an absolute pleasure. Hope to do it again soon. And uh, until the next time, let's cash these bets. <laughs>